This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. You know, it's a numbers game. You have to continue to do it, right? And you can't give up. Just like at the banks, you, you know, what gave you the drive at that young age to go to 23 banks? Inspiration and desperation. I was desperate because I wanted something more in my life and I was inspired uh, because I thought that was the answer for me. Now, my first year I lost everything. Um, after somebody sat with me for two hours and taught me what to do, my next month I made $2,600. The next month I made over 6,000. The next month I went over 12 to 13,000. And then by the end of that year, I'd started another business with the money that I was earning. And by the end of that second year, I was a millionaire. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Jim Britt, 13-time best-selling author and a featured speaker who makes a powerful, lasting impact. You have presented at over 4,000 seminars worldwide, having nearly 2 million people attend your events. You've also been named one of the top 20 success coaches and top 50 speakers in the entire world. Jim, thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, Roger. Great to have me. Well, it's, uh, I tell you, it's, uh, you are a legend in the industry of personal growth and development. And it's actually my honor today to spend this time with you. And not only for myself, but for our viewers and listeners, because I know how valuable 
your time is and everyone else's time. So the fact that we could sit down and have a wonderful conversation, you know, just makes it a, a wonderful event for, for thousands of people to see. So thanks again. Awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. So there's one thing that's just a burning question that, that, that I have to start out with, and it's because of my background. Um, I, I was introduced to Earl Nightingale um, about 15, close to 20 years ago, and have been listening to his tapes you know, ever since, and I get a lot of inspiration from him. I know you had the privilege to, to meet him and, and, and work with him in some capacity, and I'd love if we could start, you know, there and if you could introduce us to, to how you met Earl and, and then get into your story of how you even got into the business. Well, uh, probably my, my story might uh, uh, kind of link into how I met Earl Nightingale. But, um, you know, I, I never planned to be a speaker, trainer, coach, uh, never planned to do any of that. In fact, I dropped out of high school without much direction in the 10th grade and didn't know what I was going to do with my life and uh, got a job in a, a small gas station pumping gas and I didn't know about what I'd be there the rest of my life you know that was my job and I worked there about a year and a half but I kept I had this dream job in mind which was the factory up the road uh, working on the assembly line and it paid it paid about 50 cents more per hour than what I was earning at the, at the gas station so uh, that was always my dream, but but you had to be a, a high school, you had to have a high school diploma to, to work there. And uh, fortunately for me, um, uh, one of the, our patrons that came into the gas station all the time was actually a supervisor there. And and one day he, he said, what are you doing working in this gas station? He said, you should be working up at the factory. And I said, well, I would, but you know, I, I don't have a high school diploma. So um, he said, well, come up and take a little test. He said, I think you can pass this dexterity test of some kind. And he said, I'll, uh, I'll work it out and, and get you hired if you pass the test. So I came up, passed the test easily. And luckily it wasn't anything to do with my education. It was, it was more of how coordinated I was, I think. And uh, so I got the job there anyway. And then I thought I'd be there the rest of my life. And, uh, but I kept looking at the people that had been there for a long time and and they weren't making much more money than I was and, and they hated their jobs they were just you know kind of their head down when they came into the factory every day and their head down when they left every day and and I didn't want that but I didn't know what else I could do but uh, I got introduced to a, a direct selling company um, one night about uh, about midnight about a half hour before I got off and fellow invited me to go to a meeting the next night and long story short I went to the meeting got inspired um, they needed $4,000 for me to get started in, in this business. And back then that was actually, that was more than I was making in a year. So I, I didn't know where $4,000 was going to come from, but I committed to do it. And so I went to my bank and they turned me down. I, I think I had $9 in the bank at the time. And I went to another bank and another bank and another bank. I filled out applications for like two weeks. And uh, I went to 23 banks and loan companies before the 23rd one finally loaned me $4,000. And I got started in a business. I was so inspired, but I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. And all I can remember is the meeting I went to that night, the, the, the person presenting it, he said, you know, your job is to talk to people. 
And he said, if you talk a little, you learn a little. If you talk a lot, you'll learn a lot. And I, and so I went up to him afterwards and I said, uh, I'm going to join your company. And I said, how much is, how much is talking a little? What does that mean? He said, one person a day. I said, how much is a lot? He said, 10 a day. And I said, I want to earn a lot. So I'll talk to 10 a day. So over the next year, now we didn't have internet or any of that. We had zero tools, no, not even a brochure. So over the next year, I talked to 10 people every single day, at least. And by the end of that year, I had gotten 3,650 people that told me no. <laughs> so I wasn't very good at selling. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, he just said, talk to people. And and luckily, there was somebody that came by my home, and I'd lost everything. I mean, I lost my home, my cars, my furniture, um, and I didn't know where I was going to go from there, but I was not going to give up. And this fella came by, and I was five days from living on the street, and, and he taught me what I needed to do uh, to be successful. And I, I'll never forget it because he, he said, how do you know if you have a – he said, you're talking to a lot of people, but he said, you're not making any money. He said, tell me what you want to accomplish. And, and I told him. And uh, he said, okay, I want you to forget that. And I said, no, I don't want to forget it. <laughs> I got to make some money. And he said, no. He said, I understand that. But he said, forget that. And he said, now I want you to focus on how you, uh, how you get people to buy what you're selling. He says, how do you know if you have a good prospect? And I said, if they buy. And you know, I'm 22 years old. I didn't, you know, uh, he, he said, I, he said, no, he said, not if they buy. How, how do you know if they're going to buy or even possibility of buying? I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, you got to arrive at three destinations to have a good prospect. He said, I don't care what you're selling. He said, number one, he said, do they have a pain or a problem? Number two, do they want to solve it? Because he said, there's some people with pains and problems. They don't want to solve it. They want, to, they want you to feel sorry for them. They want to keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> he said, so do they want to solve it? And number three, can you solve it? He said, so if you got those three in alignment, mm. he said, now, how do you think you um, find out those three? And I said, I, I don't know. I just have to talk to people. He said, no, you got to stop blabbing your mouth and listen. <laughs> he said, you got to ask questions and listen. And he said, if you ask enough questions and listen, he said, you'll discover their pain and you'll discover what you can do to help them solve it. And that stuck with me the rest of my life. I mean, that's, I've, I've always, um, anytime I meet somebody, I always go to that, you know, what can I do to help this person? Well, I got to find out what their pain is first. Maybe they don't have one, but I just enjoy doing it. Not, not to necessarily to make money from everything, you know, everybody that I talk to, but just helping them in some way. So that just stuck with me. And, and that's kind of the foundation of my business uh, today. Incredible. And, and, do you and know in that same company, I met a gentleman that uh, probably most people uh, know, uh, certainly in certain industries, and I'm sure you know him, uh, Jim Rohn. Of course. So uh, Jim Rohn was training for that company. We became friends and, and remained friends up until the day Jim passed away. Um, but we were in business together for about eight years and, you know, promoted seminars. I kind of, I kind of helped Jim not become famous, but 
but in a way, you know, I mean, he, he was, he was an unknown at that time, except for that company. And then we put him out to the general public and Tony Robbins was one of my students. He, we, I hired and trained Tony when, uh, when Jim Rohn and I were together and, um, he looked up to Jim as his, uh, as his mentor. And he looked up to me more as a coach and trainer. You know? So, that's awesome. uh, and Tony's done quite well for himself, I would say. <laughs> so so that's that's awesome. a good way. When I look at Tony and say, well, maybe I had a, a little bit of a hand in that to help duplicate my efforts in, in somebody else like Tony. So for frame of reference, wouldn't, what time frame would have this been about? That was in the, about the mid seventies. Okay. Yeah. Mid seventies. Okay. Uh, so Tony worked for us for about, I don't know, four, four or five years, something like that. About four years, I think. Yeah. Um, so in, in the, in the meantime, it, you know, I, I started speaking and, uh, first I started introducing Jim Rohn, which scared me to death to even get in front of a group. I'd never thought I would ever speak <laughs> anywhere. I was pretty good if I was in a conference room sitting down, but when I'd stand up, my mind went blank. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't talk. So I'll never forget the first first talk I did for 20 minutes. I have, I, looking back on, I have no clue what I said. Not, I mean, it was like I went blind. I mean, I could hardly see the people, and I was I was scared to death. And so I decided that uh, I had one or two choices: never do it again, which occurred to me, uh, or do it often until I got better at it. And fortunately, I, I chose the latter. And you know, so I, and it took me a while. I mean, a lot of people get up and they're, they're, they're nervous and scared when they get up in front of an audience, even experienced people sometimes are, are very nervous. Or I remember one very experienced person behind stage one time pacing back and forth and back and I'm trying to talk to him. And he said, I'm just trying to get all my ducks in line. And I said, what? He said, man, you know, that feeling inside. And he, you know, he'd done hundreds, if not thousands of seminars. And I said, you're nervous. He said, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but it took me probably, I don't know how many years, but I probably, I'd probably been in front of 300,000 people before I lost that nervousness. Wow. And that long. But I'll never forget the day that I lost it. You know, it was just, it was from one day to the next, it just went away. And so now I'm, you know, just comfortable on stage and, and, and prior to, I don't get nervous. Uh, I just know everything's going to work perfectly. So, yeah. so like anything, is it, is it similar to the 10,000 hour rule where it's just, you know, the more you practice, the more you do, you know, the task, you become more proficient. May, it, it may be that I I've, I've heard that before. And, uh, you know, when I did that first talk, I, um, um, when I, when I was contemplating quitting <laughs> and I said, well, I, I need to do it more. So I went back and I had, I had over 300 uh, full-time salespeople that marketed Jim Rohn. And so we did presentations and sold tickets. So we'd go to companies and organizations and um, different groups and things and make presentations and sell tickets to groups. And so I went back and announced to the, uh, all of the salespeople over the next uh, few months or for a few weeks uh, that I would do up to three talks a day for 50 people or more, which I did for almost five years, three a day. 
And some days I did, one day I did like seven talks in one day. It was like started at a breakfast club at 5.30 a.m. and ended with a, a dinner meeting someplace. You know? so, Incredible. Yeah, so I got, you know, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, I don't know how many hours I did, but uh, it was just every time I did it, I would say, how did I do it? How could I have done it better? And you just keep, keep working it, keep working it. And it's probably that way with anything, you know, just. I was just going to ask you that, Jim, if, if you think that the same rules apply, because, um, you know, it's a numbers game, whether it's sales or, or, or anything for that matter, whatever industry you're in, it's, you have to, you have to continue to do it, right? And you can't give up. Just like at the banks, you, you know, what gave you the drive at that young age to go to 23 banks? Uh, inspiration and desperation. <laughs> both a little bit of both. I was desperate because I wanted something more in my life and I was inspired uh, because I thought that was the answer for me. Now, my first year I lost everything. Um, after somebody sat with me for two hours and taught me what to do, my next month I made $2,600. The next month I made over 6,000. The next month I went over 12 to 13,000. And then by the end of that year, I'd started another business with the money that I was earning. And by the end of that second year, I was a millionaire That's at 23 years old. Incredible. Yeah. incredible. Yeah, so, you know, it can happen fast, but you know, you look back on it. I mean, how many people would, would go talk to 3,650 people in a year and get that many no's and stick with it? Now I have to admit, I had times when I'm going, and what am I doing? I mean, I, I, I'm, I quit, you know, <laughs> but then I'd get up and go, okay, I got to go again. You know? Uh, so yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty interesting time. You know, people ask me now, do you, uh, how do you handle rejection? I said, Oh, I did all of that when I was 22. <laughs> I don't need to do that. anymore. Right. Somebody says, no, I'm going, okay, let's move on. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't flicker. So, yeah. And then, you know, uh, being with Jim Rohn too, we, we connected with a lot of um, other up and coming speakers and, and, and professionals at the time. Uh, Dennis Waitley, uh, I met Dennis and I did a lot of uh, business together and we had a company we'd formed and, and Dennis, uh, of course, the he had that best-selling album, Psychology of Winning. That's right. Yeah. Go yes. So, uh, Dennis called me one day and he said, uh, you want to, you want to fly to, uh, uh, New York with me? He said, we're having a meeting there with Nightingale Conat. And, and he said, uh, you know, Vic Conat or Vic, uh, uh Vic and Lloyd, uh, the dad, uh, who founded, you know, Lloyd and, and Earl and Earl will be there and Lloyd will be there and Vic will be there and a couple of other people. And I said, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm all over it. So we uh, went to New York and, and stayed at the Waldorf. And, um, and, and that's where I met Earl. And later we, uh, we did a couple of events together and I met, uh, Og Mandino. I did two or three events with Og. Um, so some of the greats back then, I mean, just, uh, the, I was so fortunate to be able to meet them and get to know them. And you know, I never forget with Earl having dinner one night. And I said, Earl, why do you think people won't invest in themselves? He said, well, that's simple. They don't think they're a worthwhile investment. <laughs> wow. I'm going, wow. Yes. So, yeah. Great guy, though. Just a great person.
Yeah, he's definitely one of my my heroes and mentors. And of course, the famous phrase, we become what we think about. Yeah. We become what we think about all day long. And it's so true. And I've been yeah, practicing that for a long time. And it's really helped me on my path, you know, for my own personal growth and development. But then like like you wanting to pass that on and and help and inspire as many people as we can that's why we're here yep. it, exactly yeah yeah that's yeah. uh that's what my life is about uh, i love it so tell us um you know what do you think you know just looking back and i know it's it's all you know just reflection and, and you know you can make of it what you wish but do you think luck had something to do with it? Do you, you know, who was the gentleman that, that came to your home that talked to you for a couple hours? Did you even know who that was? I did. I, I'd met him a couple of times. Uh, his name was O.J. Hebrink, and I never saw him after that. Um, I'd met him at a couple of meetings, and he, he lived, uh, I don't know, some other state. I was living in Oklahoma at the time, and, and he, he came to town and came knocking on my door. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I call him a, a savior. Yeah. <laughs> he was, was not a coach. He was a savior. Yeah, like an angel. And he said, "I understand you're a hard worker, but you're not making any money." And he said, "I said, yeah, you got that right." <laughs> so he said, "Let's let's talk." Yeah. So great, great guy. But the events that happened after that uh, combination of hard work, right place, right time. What do you attribute it to? Well. Uh, yeah, hard work is important. Um, smart work is more important and making sure that you're, um, you're doing the right things and you're duplicating the right things. They say, you know, practice makes perfect. Well, I'd say perfect practice makes perfect because if you're practicing something imperfectly, you're going to end up with an imperfect result. So, um, and so, and sometimes you, you make, you know, you make mistakes, but that doesn't mean anything. It just means that you approached it, uh, a, maybe a little bit off course. So you got to adjust your course. But I learned over the years that there's, there's really six things. If you want to accomplish something in your life, it's going to require these six things. I don't care if you want to make more money, if you want to have a better relationship, if you want to lose weight, if you want to build a business or whatever it is, you got to do these things. Um, and the first one is you have to have a desire to change. Um, you have to have a desire for something more in your life. But what I found is that ev almost everybody has a desire to change. I mean, you can go out on the street and find somebody living on the street and ask them if they'd like something more in their life. And, and almost everybody would say, yes, you could, you could ask the person on the corner of wall street, that's wealthy coming out of, you know, a high rise building someplace and ask them if they want to make more money. And they would say, yes, even if they're worth a hundred million, they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to double this. So everybody's got a desire to change. And, and I it was about probably 35 years ago, I started thinking about exactly this. And I thought, you know, why is it that people can maybe go to an event, learn how to whatever, invest in real estate or make more money or, or, start a business or whatever, and they get all of the tools, they pay thousands of dollars sometimes to go to this event, and, and they take notes, and they're all excited, they got the game plan down, they're ready to go, and they set their goals, 
and they're going to get started on Monday morning as soon as they get back home. And within a few days, they're right back to that same old habit patterns. Right. Why so is I call it static action. You know, you're, you want to take action, but you just go static on Monday. And, and, and I, I thought about that for a long time one day. And I, th I thought, you know, we have positive habit patterns that became second nature for us. I mean, like maybe driving a car is a good example. You know, after a while, you just get in and go. You don't think about, you know, how do I start this and how do I back up and, you know, all of that's automatic. And hopefully you're still a little bit conscious behind the wheel, but some people aren't, but, uh, you know, especially here in California. But, um, uh, but, but driving is second nature to us, you know, after we've done it for a while. And then I thought, well, if that's the case, then there's probably negative habit patterns that's become second nature. And we don't know that we're doing them. We're trying to break out of something that we don't know what we're trapped in. Trying to get out of a cage, but we don't, we don't, we, we don't even see the door and we don't even know that the cage is there. You know? So, um, and, and it's like I, I was talking to a fellow the other day and he said, I have not been able to pay my bills on time or fully each month for 25 years. And he said, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, I think you should do something different. And he said, well, only thing I can think of right off is to cut my overhead. I said, well, that's not a bad idea. But I said, in three months, I said, you'd be back the same way you are right now. Because I said, that's your habit pattern. And I said, it's become second nature to you, obviously, for 25 years. And I said, and I don't know how old you are, but you'll go another 25 years or until you die if you don't address that and break that habit pattern. Um, and somebody's got to either walk you through it or you've got to figure out how to walk through it yourself and, and get on the other side. So, and, that, and that's true for, you see people on yo-yo diets and all, all kinds of things. I mean, just life in general. And they just came, seem to stay stuck there and they develop a belief or a core belief around that. And, and then they'll do almost anything to prove to themselves and the outside world that what they believe is true. So if they believe making money's hard, then they're gonna they're gonna go to any extreme they can to prove it to you. See, I told you, making money's hard. I lost again, you know that type of thing. So, um, so you gotta have, you gotta have the desire, but you gotta go past that. How do you? The first part of breaking the cycle is you've got to make a decision that doesn't allow for anything less than that. See, failure and success are two different decisions. Uh, just like me going to 23 loan companies. The lights went on in my head that night when I watched that meeting and I said to myself, I can do this. And I kept going, I can do this. And not only that, but I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to get rich doing it. I don't even what rich was back then, but I'm going to get rich doing this. And, and I never got that out of my head. And, and I made such a firm decision. That's why I went to 23 loan company. That's why I talked to 3,650 people and didn't give up. And finally, the answer came. So if you can't make a decision like that, it's like, you know, if you, if you have a circle and that's the decision, but if you leave a little gap at the top, that's all the excuses. That's a way to break out. You could go, well, I tried, but you know, it, it was raining today and I couldn't make any calls you know, or whatever it is, you know? 
Well, it rains on rich people too, not just. <laughs> so that decision is the foundation for what you create in your life. And if somebody wants to know what they, what their mindset is, take a look at what you have and that's it because it creates a mindset. It creates how you show up to the world and how the world shows up to support you. That decision is so critical. It's a foundation for everything. In your experience, how, how many people say out of 10 fall in that category of making excuses? Um, 10. We all do it to some degree <laughs> on certain degree, things, maybe not to an extreme, but, but you're probably going to find, I'd say, a 9 out of 10 that continue to live their life that way. Um, I mean, the opportunity, opportunities are there for everybody. Um, it's just that they don't see them because they haven't decided to have it. It's like if you want to become wealthy, the first step is to make a decision to be wealthy, whatever that means to you. And if you haven't made that decision, then opportunities are not going to show up within your view. See, I mean, there's no reason to, to even be aware of an opportunity if you don't make the decision to do it. It's like the, you know, the old story of, you know, you decide to have a red Corvette and then all of a sudden all you see is red Corvettes everywhere. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> like a, a girl I, I talked to one day, she said, I, she said, I've never seen a cement truck, but she said, I started dating a guy that drives one and everywhere I look, there's a cement truck. <laughs> it's that awareness. So, but it, it, it really has, what you decide that to have in your life creates that mindset and it opens you up to see opportunities that you would never have seen before. And I, I really, very rarely would do this during the middle of an interview, but it, it's just, it, it's relevant. So I want to bring it to your attention. Uh, I wrote a book recently called The Power of Being Rich. And, and then the tagline or the, the subtitle is 10 Essential Principles to Manifest What You Already Have. So again, your, your teachings, you know, all of your hard work, all of Earl's hard work, all of Jim's hard work, all of that has inspired the masses like me, you know, who have stumbled upon this to where now, you know, it's, it's, it's inbred in my mind and it's just such an amazing thing. And that's why I love doing these, these interviews because the whole idea is let's get as many people listening to this, understand the concept like you so eloquently outlined, but then take the next step, which is, you know, the awareness, as you said, but then taking some action and, really, really, really have to believe it in, in your heart of hearts. Otherwise, once that negativity comes in, it could really diminish everything you work so hard for. Mm -hmm. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you allow it in, you know, if you allow that in, it's just like, I have a philosophy, never let the old person in. <laughs> I love so it. you stay young all your life. That's I mean, right. I see people going around going, well, I'm just too old for that. Or I, you know, this and that. And sure enough, they are. Um, so it, a lot of that's a mental thing. You yeah. know? What do you have any uh, tips or ideas for folks that are having a hard time getting rid of the negativity? What, what, it may, what is maybe an exercise that you have done or perfected that maybe we could help some people? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, one of the six points, 
actually, the final the final one of the six points is is learning to let go. And um, every once you've decided what you want in your life uh, or what you want to accomplish in a certain area of your life, then from that point forward, every action you take, every thought you think, every action you take is moving you toward that or away from it. You know, we, we don't live in a gray world. We live in a black and white world. It's either moving you toward it or it's moving you away from it. No in between. No, well, maybe it's, no, it's, it's, it's a way uh, closer to or further away. Um, so letting go, I, I would just say, if, if you're listening here, I want you to think of something that's, that you feel is holding you back in your life. You know, maybe it's a fear or, you know, a lack of self-confidence or something that happened to you in the past that you're still hanging on to, um, you know, something you, you would like to not have in your life, uh, you know, that, that's, that feels like it's holding you back. And usually people can get that in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> they go right to it. And then I, the second question is, how long have you been hanging on to that? How long has that affected your life? When did it happen? And if I'm in front of a group, I'll ask them, you know, how many years? And I'll get, you know, somebody will say 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. I've had the most I've ever had is 62 years. Somebody's hanging on to something for 62 years. And my next question is, does hanging on to that, does it benefit you in helping you get where you want to go? Or does it hold you back? Now, some people think hanging on to things protects them from it never happening again. Like, you know, maybe they had a breakup in a relationship or maybe their parent abandoned them or whatever. Um, you know, it's not happening to you now. It happened and you can't, you, you can't get rid of that, but you can, you, if you bring it into the present, it stays in the present and it, you're reenacting it over and over and over. So the question is, is this helping you to move in the direction you want to go? Hmm. Like in a relationship, for example, people think, well, if I hang on to this and, and I'm not going to have another relationship until that person proves to me that they're not going to do the same thing that the last person did. Well, good luck with that because you're going to get the same type of person that you got the last time because your heart's not open, it's closed. So your mind's closed, your heart's closed, and you're going out looking for a relationship that's gonna prove themselves. And, and I've seen it where people have been in seven, eight, 10 abusive relationships, and they just never, never break free of it because they're hanging on to that. Yeah. So, so the next question I would ask is, when that comes up, whatever it is, do you like feeling that? Do you like feeling that way? And of course, the answer is almost always no. Uh, next question is, do you want to let it go? Do you really want to? And I usually get most people are affirmative with that. They want to. And then the next question, and before I ask it, if you're listening right now, uh, don't answer until I finish. But the next question is, are you willing to let it go? Are you truly willing to let it go? Because when I go to the next question, 
you can no longer use that as an excuse, you know, for not doing well in your life or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You can no longer use that after I go to the next question. So you've already said you don't like it. You want to let it go. Are you willing to let it go? And if the answer is yes, I'll move to the next question. And the last question is when, mm. when? Wow. Yeah. And, and the, the, the answer should be at this moment. Right now. Yeah. Right now. But I've had people say, well, let me think about it. Oof. Or uh, maybe after lunch <laughs> or something like that. You know, uh, let me think about it through yeah. lunch. I'll get back with you later today. Or, you know, and this could be with anything. Now. Right. This could be with anything, right, Jim? Quitting smoking. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I had a, I had a woman in a workshop. She said, well, can you, can you help me quit smoking? And I said, uh, maybe. I said, have you ever tried before? She said, I'm trying right now. I said, oh, well, how many methods have you tried? And she's named off like six or seven. And I said, what are you doing now? She said, tapering. I said, oh. I said, it's kind of like an alcoholic tapering. <laughs> I, said, I said, you're... Uh, you're still smoking. You're still a smoker. I said, first thing you have to do is decide to be a non-smoker, not to quit. See, you've been deciding to quit. You have to decide to be a non-smoker because once you've decided that, smoking is not an option. So it's the decision that's the foundation to make things happen. And people they try any and everything to not make that decision. <laughs> but it was so amazing the way you put it. It just sounds so simple. It is simple. That's it's the, so simple. See, I'm only educated to 10th grade, so I don't, I don't get into any complicated things. You don't have to lie on the floor and do exercises to do this. All you got to do is look at yourself and make decisions that's going to take you in the direction you want to go. Success at anything is that simple. Is it easy? No. I mean, but for her, she said, I went outside at lunch, this woman that wanted to quit smoking. She said, the first thing I did was put a cigarette in my mouth. And she said, I took one puff. And she said, you know, it just tastes like crap. And she said, I put it down, stepped on it. And she said, I'm done. She said, I don't think I can smoke anymore. And I talked to her probably a month later. She said, no, I haven't had a cigarette. Nothing. I'm oh, done. <laughs> so it was that fast. Yeah. So is, is, is success at something? Does it have to take forever? No. And you ask about luck. You know, I think, I don't know if it's luck. It's, I mean, people will look at different people like, like Tony Robbins, you know, how did Tony get where he is? Well, he's uh, tenacious, you know, he's, he, he's not willing to give up. Um, and, and he got some breaks, you know, he got, he got, uh, uh, Guthy Rinker picked him up for this infomercial and it was running. My understanding was running every five minutes someplace in the world for like eight years. Now, Tony was on that infomercial, but you know, to Tony's credit, he's good at selling. I mean, <laughs> he's no doubt that's what made the infomercial. It wasn't Guthy Rinker. It was Tony but yet they gave him the break to get on TV. So, that, you know, that, that made him famous. I mean, in a sense, and, and then he's done a, a lot of other things since then, of course, but uh, you know, you, you get a break, you know, Jack and Mark from chicken soup. Um, I didn't know Jack 
prior to, but uh, I know him now, but, but Mark used to hang out at our seminars at, with Jim Rohn in, in Orange County, California. And I remember him asking me more than once, how do you put all these people in the room? You know, well, Jack and Mark uh, at, a, at a, a program called CEO Space, they put together the first chicken soup. They went to 200 publishers and got turned down. Then they finally got this little publisher out of Florida called HCI, Health Communications. They said, we'll publish your book. We don't give much of an advance, but we pay a bigger royalty. Well, that's the best thing that could ever have happened to them. Well, they've sold, I talked to Mark just the other day, they've sold 500 million of those books. 500 million of them. Now, and they, when they came out with Chicken Soup One, it was a, it was a uh, New York Times bestseller, you know, like month, one month. And then the publisher said, we need another one. We need another book. We need another book. So Jack, I think Jack came out with a book called The Aladdin Factor, but I don't think it ever sold anything. And he said, no, we need another chicken soup book then. So the chicken soup two, nice. and that started the whole series. I think they did one, two and three or something. And then they went to the chicken soup for, you know, the golfer soul and everybody else, you know, so, but brilliant. I mean, uh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And is it a, is it luck that that happened or is it the fact that they went to 200 publishers and they wouldn't give up? That's right. You know, That's uh, it, what a great, you story. know, it's just, um, it's just holding that, that decision and keep moving forward till, till it happens. So can we walk through the, the other four steps? So the desire is, is first. Desire was one. Um, uh, Decision-making is, is the, I'd say, the most, most important after desire, for sure. But uh, decision-making is the most important. I see people that they set their goals. They create their vision board. They do all of that stuff. But they haven't made a firm decision. And if you don't make the decision, none of that's going to be of any value. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, the, the, the third step is that you've got to uh, take action. You've got to take action. Uh, nothing happens without it. If you're waiting for the law of attraction to bring it to you, um, wait no longer. Uh, if that if that worked, we'd all be billionaires on our yacht someplace in the Caribbean and living the life of our dreams. Um, I'm not saying that that you don't become attractive, but I think that's based on the decision that you make. Then you then you start to put out a signal that uh, and and it changes your view of the world. So, but you've got to take action based on that decision. And um, how much action? That's up to you. Depends on what you want to accomplish, but you've got to take action. But little steps will take you where you want to go eventually. If you want to go get there faster, just take more steps. Um, you know, I have people say, well, I, I do a collaborative book series with, uh, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank and, and we're on our fourth volume now. And, and some people will go, well, when, when's the deadline? Uh, and for, for a chapter, I'm going, well, it's, uh, it's two and a half months from now. And they'll go, well, I don't, I don't think that's enough time for me to write a 3000 word chapter. I'm going, it's 30 words a day. <laughs> right. It's more, it's half of the email you just sent me. <laughs> you know? So it's not, you know, well, 
I'm, I'm fully booked. I said, well, get up an hour earlier every day. It's unbelievable. So that's what you do. I mean, if you want, if you want something bad enough, Absolutely. that's what you do. Yeah. It's never a money issue. It's never, I mean, people can do the most remarkable things when they make the decision to do it and take action on it. Um, so action is, is number three. Number four is you've got to be bold. You've got to be bold in today's world. You know, if you want, if you want the spotlight to hit you, you better go get in it because it's not going to chase you down. Um, you got to, you got to, um, you got to put yourself in the spotlight. You got to do things that other people aren't willing to do. You got to step out and, and take center stage. You know, you can't, I mean, in today's world, God, there's so much noise. <laughs> on like on the internet, on social media. And that's where everybody lives today. They're on social media. So you better step out and you got to take up some space. And the more space you take up, uh, the more, the more money you're going to earn. Uh, it, it, the reality of it is, um, you know, if you take a look at people who's taken up a lot of space, Tony takes up a lot of space. Um, Brian Tracy takes up a lot of space. Uh, you know, uh, or Oprah, uh, Steven Spielberg. I mean, you can name all kinds of people that take up a lot of space and that's why they make the money that they make uh, is because they take up more space. So you've got to decide how much space you're going to take up and you've got to be bold when you go out there and do it. I love and, that. I'm really glad next, you talked about that because a lot uh -huh. of, I'm really glad you talked about being bold because in some ways it also means to me, you have to be somewhat vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there, which means you're going to do something against what you normally may not do <laughs> so exactly and you know again it could be something as simple as uh, having your own podcast or or writing a book or doing something that that does take up space that you're not taking up today yeah. um, again I, I love the way the sequence is going because it all makes sense and, and i can't <laughs> wait to get to the next couple because it'll all um, i'm sure play out very yeah, well. and being bold back when, when I was 22, uh, I mean, I was scared to death to, to, to do things that I hadn't done before, but I pushed myself uh, to go beyond that and do it anyway. And I remember I couldn't find anybody to talk to one day. And I thought, I'm going to go door to door, <laughs> just start knocking on doors. And, and so I, I did. And I, and, I, and I go to this old broken down home. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go up from where I am. I want to go down from where I am. So I could, I feel like I talk to somebody that's down here instead of up here, you know? So I go to this broken down house and it's, it's just, it looked like a little two, two room or one bedroom. And it's, it's got a screen door on it and it's got one step. Uh, you had to open the screen door before you could step up on the step to get into the house. And you've probably seen them in the movies before. And, and so I walk up to this screen door and I'm about, my, my head is about halfway up the door because it's way, way down. I, I couldn't get on the step. So, so I knock on the door and there's a hole in the screen about this big, right by the handle. And I'm looking right at that hole. And so I knock on the door and the door opens and as I'm looking through this hole, it's a great big belly button, all hairy belly button. <laughs> this guy has got a big gut on him. And he goes, what do you want? <laughs> and I, and, and I, I said, uh, 
and I was trying to recruit him, you know, I said, how would you like to double your present income? I didn't know what to say. And he goes, I might come on in. <laughs> so I go in and he said, you want a beer? <laughs> I'm going, I might as well. I didn't want to turn him down. You know, so I was, yeah. So I get a Budweiser. We sat and had a beer together and uh, he didn't want what I was doing, but uh, yeah, I got a beer. It was a hot day. So <laughs> what the heck? That's great. But you know, it takes, uh, you know, it takes being bold like that, you know? Um, so, um, so the next step after that, though, it kind of ties in is being willing to experience some pain. Mm. You know, if, if what you're doing isn't painful, you, you're probably not growing. You're, you're probably not excelling in your business. Um, there's always a pain of changing and people weigh out pains, the pain of changing, the pain of staying where you are, which one is the greater. And that's why people sink back into the sofa with their potato chips and the remote. And it's less painful. They'll sit there and complain about what they don't have, about how much money they don't have, about how much ambition they have to go earn it. But yet when they step out of that comfort zone and start to do it and feel the pain, they sink back into their old ways. Wow. It's back into those old habit patterns that we talked about here. But it, it's, it, you know, what, what you're comfortable with is in this circle. What you want is in a circle outside that. So, and that's outside your comfort zone. I mean, we all have things that we're uncomfortable with. I mean, if, if I decided I wanted to go skydiving, um, which is one of my goals, never go skydiving. <laughs> I have no interest in it. So it's not, but I do know if I decided to do it, it would be way outside my comfort zone. Uh, but, but you'd have to go experience that. And probably once you've experienced it, you'd be okay with it. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but it's like talking to people. It's like uh, getting up in front of a group. I mean, it's like the, you know, the fear of heights. Um, people aren't afraid of heights anyway. They're afraid of widths. Think about that. Hmm. If you're in Denver, it's a mile high. Yet if you're on a ledge on an eight story building, it scares you to death. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really the width. Yeah. What your base is. But I, but I get it, you know, but you, you just got to do it. Fear of flying. You got to go fly and you, you get out of that comfort zone, find out if, if that you could go past that. And sometimes you bounce back. You just have to keep going. That's where, again, where the decision comes in, you know, it's painful. I mean, and speaking for me, you talk about the greatest fear. That was my greatest fear. It was work. It was hard, but I did it anyway. Hmm. And now it's easy. Um, you know, so, and I, and you know, I'll never forget. Uh, I talked for about two hours one time, maybe, uh, maybe a, a year into my speaking. And this woman comes up to me afterwards and she said, you know, I really enjoyed what you had to say. She said, but do you know how many times you said, okay, in your talk? And I said, no, not, probably not that many. She said, 
yeah, you did it a lot. She said, it was very distracting, but I was trying to listen between the okays. She said, if you'd like, I recorded it. And she hands me a cassette tape. And she said, listen to it. It'll help you. Wow. So I put it on my desk for about a month or a month and a half. <laughs> I did not want to listen to it. Well, when I, when I took the cassette and plugged it in, uh, I, I pretty much was, I was really taken back. I just going, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And it was really an okay at the end of almost every sentence, uh, or at least every little phrase. And, uh, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can go speak in public and you can say okay occasionally, but I was like every, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times in, in, in two hours. Um, so it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot not to say that anymore <laughs> for one thing. So I would really became aware of that. That's when I started uh, to look at myself every time I would do a talk. I would afterwards, I would stop and I do it even today. How did I say it? How could I have done it better? Because I'm not there to teach people anything. I'm there to influence them to make change. And, and that's key. Um, when I hear somebody say, well, I teach this, I'm going, well, you need to change that approach to I influence. Yes. I, because that's the key. Because if you're teaching, you're getting it up here. If you're influencing, it's connecting the head with the heart and, and making a change for people, getting them to really look at themselves and look inside. Awesome. And was there one more step in the, in the six? Well, step? well, the last step was uh, the ability to let go. Right. So we kind of talked about really. that. So yeah. it, because on the, you know, in the path of life and business, uh, things happen. I mean, things happen and uh, you've got to, you've got to have the ability to move on. You can't control things that's beyond your control. And when you, when you need to control it, you're out of control. It's like a, a friend of mine, I was friends with him for about 20 years until he passed away. And every time I would see him, he would talk about why he hasn't done well in life because he had $2 million at one point and he invested it all in a condominium project in the Bahamas. And somebody took him for all of his money. And so every time we were together, that's all he talked about all he ever talked about couldn't let go and I, I i said man if you just let that go and move on he said i can't i just can't and i said well then you're going to be talking about it until the day you die yeah. i said but if you let it go you, maybe you could put together that two million again but he never did wow. so you know things happen and you and you got to move on i mean i i did a i did a television infomercial um and I thought it was going to be a super success. I spent almost a million dollars on it. And, and even Kevin Harrington called me and he said, man, what a great show. He said, that is a beautiful, well done. And, and Bob Cadell that was Guthy Rinker's uh, uh, producer, uh, he called me. Same thing. He said, nice show, man. He said, uh, congratulations. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't fly for whatever reason. I mean, I look back on it and, and, and I thought, well, maybe I found the reason here. So I did some editing, spent another 50 grand and it still didn't work. So I said, okay, let's move on. I got some great footage that I can use someplace else. So, you know, I could have probably done it for 
ten thousand versus a million, but <laughs> but there you, you know, go. I mean, you're... Things that happen, but if it had it taken off, yeah, you know, right. you, you just you just move on, right? And that echoes back to your point of you know you have to take action on the idea, you have to be bold. So you did all those things, but at the end, there's no guarantee, right? And and it, and you can't hold on, just like the the friend with the two million dollars that he lost. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't let go, then you'll never be able to move on. Yeah. Yeah. So many people let fear run their life and uh, fear. It's it's a it's a mental mistake. It's a it's a I mean, unless you got a bear chasing you or something. But but fear is it's a made up story about something that you imagine is going to happen. It's not real. But but yet, if you bring it into the present, it's real because it destroys your present. See, if if people could learn to let go of the things that keep them emotionally upset or in a in a non-productive state, if they could become more self-observant and look at themselves and see what actions they're taking that's keeping them stuck, they could double their output in a heartbeat. I mean, literally, they can double their output. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Once I learned this, and, and I had to figure it out myself, uh, nobody taught me, but once I learned it, um, gosh, it just, it, it, things that I would have hung, hung on to for months or years, it's like seconds or minutes. Yeah. I'm going, okay, I have no, I can't control that. Boom. Yeah. You know, I can't. So, the thing that controls all of our emotional states is the need for approval and the need to be in control. And when you need to control, you're out of control. When you need approval, you get none. So let go of them, move on. Especially if you're out there speaking, let go of the need for approval from your audience, let go of the need to control and get up and be you and do what you do and you'll get great results with it. Just awesome. Well, look, we're just about out of time. And look, I, I really appreciate you coming on our show. And I'd love to do this again because there's so much gold, as I like to call it, in the conversation. You're offering so much value and your time is valuable. So we appreciate it. But Jim, before I let you go, uh, one last question that I ask every guest. And that is, at the end of the day, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I'd say that I, that I made a difference. Uh, to, to a lot of people. And, and the more people I help, I, I know that there's a residual effect. And if I help one person let go of something or change uh, something in their life for the better, then people around them are going to change as well. And it has a residual effect. Uh, so that's, that's my legacy. I just want to leave that and hopefully people will still follow some of the philosophy I have and read some of my books after I'm, after I'm gone. Um, so in fact, my, my first book, which is my story, uh, rings of truth. Um, fascinating book. Never thought I could write. I hired somebody to help me. And now this book is being uh, made into a movie. Oh, so, fantastic. Going to be congratulations. Really cool. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's awesome. Well, you know, we'll put all the links in there. If people want to reach you, if they want to have you come out and speak at one of their events, What's the best way to reach you, Jim? Uh, just go to jimbrit.com uh, or jimbrit at jimbrit.com if you'd like to message me uh, privately. Perfect. And we'll put, the, we'll put the links in there as well so it'll be easy for people. Okay. Look, thanks again for your time. Welcome to the American Real family. And it's so great getting to know you today.
Um, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.